0: Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast. Happy, happy Friday, everybody. I hope y'all are having an amazing fan day, and we've got an amazing, fantabulous show coming your way here on the Take It Easy podcast. We're going to talk about this situation with the Miami Heat. Also, we are going to talk a little bit about the Falcons. I've been kind of ignoring this story all week. If you also want to hear me talk a little bit about it, check out the Slump Buster. But note how I said the Atlanta Falcons and not the Julio Jones situation. We'll get to that as well coming up here on the podcast. We haven't really talked about that all week. Might as well get some of our uh, obligated Julio Jones talk out of the way as we wait for his trade that won't happen, but it could happen next week if we want to see it happen. Anyways, first off on the list, I know I haven't gone to it in a while, but we have a special treat for Wired Up episode 75 on Sunday. So we'll tease that a little bit. So we won't be talking about basketball. So we're going from Friday to Monday on the NBA playoffs. And since we have 11 basketball games coming up this weekend, including double dipping games in the New York Knicks and the Clippers Mavericks series, which so far have been the two most intriguing series right up there with the Jazz And Memphis in terms of closeness, since we're going to have two games by the time we come back on the podcast and 11 total NBA playoff games, I felt we should bring back the music here on the Take It Easy Friday. Hit that music. If you would have told me at the start of the day yesterday, we'd be leading off with a story of a shootout between Carmelo Anthony and Austin Rivers. I would have told you you were crazy, but lo and behold, here we are. Um, And that's only because all the games yesterday ended up being blowouts. By the way, Anthony Davis, that is the type of game you should be playing all the time. But we did see it in game two, and we saw it again in game three from good old Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers. Davis ended the game with 34 points and 11 rebounds, going along with 21 from LeBron and 20 from Schroeder. It was a very different tune from the game one, where the Lakers, big three of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Dennis Schroeder ended up scoring 45 points. In this game, they ended up scoring 75 points and route to a Lakers beatdown of the Phoenix Suns they led by double digits pretty much the whole way and uh, as we talked about we literally nailed this when we talked with our friend House of Phoenix Suns yesterday if Chris Paul isn't an offensive factor there's not much that the heat that the uh, that the Phoenix Suns can do to compete with the Lakers and lo and behold their leading score yesterday DeAndre Ayton with 22-11, who's pretty good, but not good enough to be your best scorer and expect to beat a team of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Devin Booker finished with 19. Tough break for the uh, Phoenix Suns in terms of that injury that we analyzed yesterday. And you can check all that out on the archives of the Take It Easy podcast. Download and leave five-star ratings, por favor, wherever it is that you get your podcast. So anyways... Back to Denver and Portland. Shootout. Portland tried to make a comeback. Damian Lillard is just cold, man. Dame is ridiculous, but Austin Rivers hitting four threes in the fourth quarter. There's only so much you can do about that one. And I was listening to CJ McCollum talk like the free throw line was going to be a big part of the game for the Portland Trailblazers, and they didn't quite get there, but also they were just the... uh, on the unfortunate end of they don't play great defense and the Denver Nuggets hit 19 three pointers as a team. So a lot of that is Austin rivers and a little bit of that is Facundo Campasso para los Denver Nuggets and Denver ends up going up 2 one. They'll have game four on Sunday. So that series might be time for Denver to pull away, but game four will tell all because two, two, the series is new, but at three, one, you're all but done. I love that phrase so much. 2-2 series new, 3-1 all but done. By the way, we now not only have, sorry, douchey hockey guys got to make a, a quick little appearance here. Is that, well, we're still technically waiting on what happens in the Maple Leafs Canadian series, but hockey was about to have one, I'm sorry, was has one game seven that's going to be played, I want to say tonight. Yeah, today is game seven between the Wild and the golden Knights. So that should be a first TV game. Uh, But we were about to have a second one before the Carolina hurricanes stormed back to defeat the Nashville predators and advance to play the Tampa Bay lightning in the championship round of the central division presented by discover card. That was a crazy ending overtime game six, everything on the line. Good win for them. And there's only a couple hockey games this weekend. So Douchey Hockey Guy will uh, in, be enjoying this weekend with a less hectic form of hockey coverage. We talked yesterday about this or two days ago about the six game or I'm sorry, the three game sixes that were going on in one day. Six total, but three game sixes that all went down in one day. There's been six game sixes and two sweeps in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's an easy way to keep track of things. Six of the series has went to six games. Right now, only one is going to seven. We have still, a second one is up in the air. Game six is tomorrow. And two sweeps. So that's hockey. Uh, back to the NBA. So we got those two in there. Uh, did, let me see. Did did Brooklyn end up beating Boston? I assume Brooklyn ended up beating Boston, but I actually have no idea. Uh, they play tonight. Uh, tonight's the Kyrie game. What I do want to talk about, is the Bucks beating down on the Miami Heat. And I made a joke coming into the series that the Bucks would sweep the Miami Heat by an average of 27 points per game, and uh, I was not that far off. As a troll job, I was not that far off. Yes, game one was really close. Game one was one point, but then the next two are 29 and 34. So I would like to state for the record that this is as close as you're going to get to being absolutely right in a troll job saying that the bucks would beat the heat in a sweep and win every game by 27 points that's about as close as you're going to get people so i'm going to take the victory lap on that one with a 29 point win following a 34 point win the bucks are here for vengeance against a Miami Heat team that we thought coming into the series couldn't score enough points to compete with the Milwaukee Bucks, but as we're learning slowly but steadily, they also just can't generate enough defense to stop the Milwaukee Bucks. Like yesterday, they scored 113 points, but it was like all over the map for the, the Milwaukee Bucks, he had 22 from Middleton, 17 and 17 from Giannis. Brooke Lopez in double figures. Drew Holiday had 19. Bryn Forbes got into double figures again. Pat Connaughton had nine. Bobby Portis was in double figures. Like It was all over the map, and it was a dominant performance by the Milwaukee Bucks. And also the Miami Heat are shooting themselves out of the game. It's not like they're playing great offensively. They're shooting themselves out of games with zero points. From Trevor Ariza as a starter for the team, Duncan Robinson did not hit a three-pointer in the game. And that's kind of what I said off the bat. Like, if Miami can't win the Duncan Robinson game, because the joke we started last year is that Duncan Robinson always has one good game in every playoff series. If the Heat couldn't win the Duncan Robinson game, then uh, what type of a chance did they have going forward in the rest of the series? So Miami is uh, kind of... Falling off the map here, now they enter the 2021 offseason, or at least they will this weekend by the time we come back, and the bucks do sweep them with another 20-point victory. And this is something I wanted to talk about for our main story of the day is the Miami Heat entering the 2021 offseason. Because the whole point of this rebound/slash rebuild for the Miami Heat, going back to 2017 when they draft Bam Adebayo. And 2019, when they get lucky to land a generation type player like Tyler Hero, the whole purpose of the, oh, well, then we can keep going to the 2019 offseason when, when they sign Jimmy Butler and go from being in total cap hell to being able to make a three-team trade, sorry, not a three-team trade, a four-team trade to move themselves out of cap hell and land a player entering his prime, who is a perennial all-star and one could argue a superstar in the NBA. All of that was gearing up for the 2021 offseason. The Miami Heat's purpose of building the team the way they did, of not spending big money after winning a championship, was for this very moment. Was that the Miami Heat were trying to take advantage of what was a loaded 2021 free agent class they've structured their roster as such they created a lot of one-year contracts and two-year contracts with team options this offseason well the previous offseason so that they could all be taken off the books in the event that they can sign a free agent while a lot of nba teams right now are built to trade for a star player whether it be bradley beal or the the whispers around donovan mitchell or whatever it might end up being while many teams are set up to trade for a superstar the miami heat are set up where the only way they can acquire a star player is through free agency they don't have to give up anything all they need is a player hitting free agency who is better than jimmy butler to want to join their team And they can be championship good. And they already passed up on the chance to acquire via trade James Harden. And the math changes on that because they didn't have to throw in those draft picks. They were going to give up Tyler Hero, except they didn't want to give up Tyler Hero for James Harden. And boy, that did not work out very well for the Miami Heat. And I tried to tell you at the time, you send Tyler Hero to Houston and make those Jack Harlow, Travis Scott collabs because there is no way you can pass up even a 32-year-old James Harden for the, pr- the possibility of what Tyler Hero could be. And his sophomore year proved a lot of those issues that the Miami Heat have. It was a really tough year for Tyler Hero. Injuries combined with the fact that he didn't really take a next step in terms of scoring ability. He was kind of the regular season Tyler Hero from pre-pandemic last year. But he wasn't quite hero ball Tyler Hero that was snarling at the Los Angeles Lakers in the playoffs. And so Tyler Hero is this interesting quagmire in the organization right now. But again, if Tyler Hero is your fourth best player, he's got all the time in the world to develop. And that's what the ultimate plan for the Heat was for these two months that are about to begin really in about, let's see. Two days, uh, two days. Little, little more than that. Their game is at twelve o'clock. So, whenever they they end up losing game four to the Bucks, this is when these two months are the biggest two months of the Miami Heat's run together. Because this was all about this offseason. And to be honest, you look around the landscape and who's available. Sure, they got Victor Oladipo, but that didn't work out the way they hoped. In fact, he might be out until next year with his quad injury that he it seems to be debilitating his career. So that didn't work out the way they hoped. They, they're not going to give him a big contract. And what's left in the free agent market is DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry. Obviously, the Kawhi Leonard situation changes everything, but most people assume Kawhi Leonard is going to go back to the Clippers. Now, I attest that a failed first round exit in the playoffs and the poor roster construction that the Clippers have built around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George will end up changing the math on that equation but if Kawhi Leonard chooses to go back to the Clippers as more of a lifestyle choice yeah you look around the NBA landscape and it's like yeah we can sign DeMar DeRozan but DeMar DeRozan is not better than Jimmy Butler. DeMar DeRozan is what you're hoping Tyler Hero is going to be, just with less three-point ability and older. And so the Miami Heat are at an interesting inflection point as an organization because this plan is not quite going the way that they had intended. And yes, getting Kawhi Leonard changes everything and makes them championship good. And to be honest, we look at Jimmy Butler and we can say, yeah, Jimmy Butler is really really good. He's in the middle of his prime, and we think we can genuinely make a difference here by turning the roster around and becoming championship good again. So for the Miami Heat, while Jimmy Butler is in the midst of his prime, you look around and you say, where are we as a franchise? We have to reevaluate where we are as a franchise, and they're not in a position to to tear things down because you have Bam Adebayo at 23 years old. Yes, about to begin a $36 million contract. And yes, there's always the opportunity that Giannis requests a trade within the next couple of years. And there's no shame in reevaluating your timelines. The only problem is that timelines don't last forever. We never know how long they actually last, but they don't last forever. And so if they wanted to sign a DeMar DeRozan, yes, he's a great piece. And he can be used as a trade chip to later acquire a Giannis or acquire a Bradley Beal if those guys become available. But all it does is push the timeline back on a window for Jimmy Butler that we don't really know how long it's going to last. But this this offseason, these two months that are about to come up for the Miami Heat, this is what the whole plan was about. Going back three seasons, four seasons, when Bam Adebayo gets drafted and all of a sudden it turns the tides of the franchise when the number 14 pick in the draft becomes an all-star at 22 years old. And Tyler Hero ends up being what he was in the bubble to carry the Miami Heat. And the fact that they didn't trade Goran Dragic to the Dallas Mavericks, which is a fun story in and of itself, that Goran Dragic was traded to Dallas. Just before the Jimmy Butler signing, they had had it like signed, sealed and delivered to trade Goran Dragic to Dallas and Mark Cuban backed out of the trade, sending Goran back to Miami and Goran Dragic did what he did in the bubble last year where he became the third best player at times for the heat, sometimes even the second best scorer for the heat when Jimmy Butler's scoring ability wasn't there because as much as we love Jimmy Butler, the man is not a very good shooter and so Goran Dragic at times kind of became the second or first go-to perimeter scoring threat for the Miami Heat, and so they lucked into that one, and Tyler Hero, as great as he is, a lot of it was lucky, and the shooting ability was lucky for Tyler Hero, and the fact that they had him in the first place at pick 13 was pretty lucky for the Miami Heat as a rookie, and their ability to get Jimmy Butler is still unbelievably remarkable that they flipped Hassan Whiteside and Josh Richardson into Jimmy Butler is is quite remarkable for the Miami Heat with no draft picks at their disposal. And so Miami has constructed that roster in such a way where 2020, they were way ahead of schedule. And to be honest, also a bit of a fluke. I made the joke that they're like the Los Angeles Rams with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and saying that it was a little bit fluky that they got that far, but we all kind of thought they would be a little bit of a dynasty. And for the Miami Heat that was going to require a Giannis paired with a Jimmy Butler or a Kawhi Leonard paired with a Jimmy Butler to help them elevate to the next level. And now that Giannis is off the table for now, I always put the for now disclaimer in there cuz Giannis can request a trade at any moment here and will probably get his way. I don't think he spends all 5 years with the Bucks, but his shocking contract extension which is the only episode I still remember where we put like alarms in the title of the episode, talking about the Giannis extension. It took a lot of the, the flair and flavor away for the Miami heat fans to a point where they should have pivoted to James Harden, but chose not to pivot to James Harden because, you know, they wanted to wait on Bradley Beal and they wanted to try and sign Kawhi Leonard and all of that stuff. And now Miami looks around and they're like, uh, DeMar DeRozan, the uh, Kyle Lowry does Kyle Lowry sound good? We can put him at point guard instead of Kendrick Nunn, and still package him or I don't know Tyler Hero and some players in a trade to go get a Giannis Antetokounmpo or a Bradley Beal. So Miami's looking around and kind of reevaluating the landscape. They are flush with cap space. They had purposely set up a max contract for this season. Do they keep rolling with the wait and wait and wait for another superstar to become available? And do they have the cojones to pull the trigger if that superstar does become available? Because if it's in free agency, these are the two months to make the move. If Kawhi Leonard gets bounced in the first round, and as I've been saying recently, we have to start preparing for this reality. They're down 2-0, headed back to Dallas. Even if it seems strange, we have to start preparing for a reality in which the Los Angeles Clippers are going to lose in the first round of the Dallas Mavericks, and the Dallas Mavericks are going to get a crack at the Utah Jazz to make a Western Conference Finals run with 22-year-old Luka Doncic. And by the way, I'm just going to go on a tangent here from the radio show. Would you like to know the 22- and 23-year-olds in NBA history, modern NBA history, so post-1990, we'll say, because Larry Bird and Magic Johnson are weird, different cases. The superstars who made the NBA Finals at 22, 23 years old, Shaquille O'Neal, Orlando Magic, 1995, Tim Duncan, San Antonio Spurs, 1999, one Finals MVP, LeBron James, 2007, Kevin Durant, 2012. So Luca, by making a conference finals, would be successful enough. Because if we extend it to conference finals, you could also throw some other people in the mix there. I'm trying to think. There's one other person I was thinking of who made a conference finals at 22, 23 years old. But now I'm uh, I'm drawing a blank a little bit. The point being, Luka Doncic would be in elusive category by making a run at this young of an age. And we all look around and we say, yeah, that guy's going to be the king of the baby generation. To Luca is the king of the baby generation that's what we look around and see right now and so for back to the Miami Heat side of things by the way Kawhi Leonard Dallas please make it happen seems like such a great idea but anyways and Giannis to Dallas too but that's obviously off the table now that he's no longer a free agent Miami is going to be spending these two months convincing Kawhi, look, South Beach, South Beach. I know it's far from from Los Angeles, but we've got warm weather too. We've got nice big houses on the water. We know you, you love San Diego, but basketball sense it makes too much to come down to Miami. And maybe Kawhi is into the, the, the changing of his mind after the first round exit and kind of evaluating where the roster stands for the Clippers. But if it's not Kawhi, then they're kind of at a crossroad here. Do you keep? You miss out on everyone in twenty twenty one. Do you compromise? Do you sign a Kyle Lowry, who's a great addition for a team that really is lacking that guard ability right now? Between whether or not you know Tyler Hero comes off the bench and Dragic is great coming off the bench, but Kendrick Nunn doesn't provide them enough. They rotated the like Avery Bradleys and the Trevor Ariza's and you know Jimmy Butler's the primary ball handler right now but do you get a Kyle Lowry do you bring in a Demar DeRozan at 20 million dollars not quite a max contract but you'd also complement that with another person in free agency i don't know who it would end up being do you do that route and wait or or i'm sorry or and or cuz you can technically trade contracts to make the other one happen do you wait on Bradley Beal do you wait on Giannis Antetokounmpo what is the plan and how much how much can you afford to wait? Because this season was not the priority. 2021 and beyond was the priority for the Heat. They didn't make a lot of moves this offseason, which was the right move at the time. Then Giannis signed his extension. Then Kawhi Leonard, it's reporting, wants to go back to the Clippers, and no other stars became available because Bradley Beal seems happy in Washington for some reason. And so they look around and they're like, okay, we've missed on every big swing we wanted to take to put ourselves in a position to run the league for the next four years. We missed on every swing we tried to take. So now do we keep waiting to take another swing or do we take our medium swing and try and see if Jimmy Butler can be this great player. And if Tyler hero can have a third year development that turns him into an all-star and, then we have three all-stars and a fringe all-star in Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan. And then we've also got Victor Oladipo. And then we've also got Duncan Robinson still. And then we've also still got Trevor Ariza maybe or Mo Harkless or whoever the bleep they end up signing to be that Jay Crowder, Trevor Ariza type role. Do they take the big swing or do they wait it out? I'm sorry. Do they take the medium swing or do they wait it out? Or does Kawhi Leonard have a change of heart? So many different possibilities, and for the Miami Heat, they've been preparing a long time for this very offseason to finally come around at this very time. All right, let's talk about the Falcons. So I something I didn't realize until recently when I was going through the Falcons' schedule is that the Atlanta Falcons had the worst schedule or had the worst record of any NFC team last year, which is it was them in Carolina. But that is kind of remarkable to think about when you put it in that context. They had the worst record of any team in the NFC last year. Like the Falcons were really bad. And so this was off season one. Of a three-year rebuild for the Falcons, at least that's the way I viewed it for Atlanta. This is off-season one of a long rebuild. They are really not that talented. They're probably almost certainly going to finish last in the NFC this year, and that's a, or last in the NFC South, as we talked about with Blake Jude a couple weeks ago when we went through all the NFC South teams. Like their roster just does not have the talent to compete. In the NFC, despite the fact that they were very close on one possession or they lost a lot of one possession games last year, the Falcons are really not designed to win a lot of games this year, combined with the fact that even though they play an easier schedule against the NFC East and the AFC East and all that stuff, but Atlanta is, is not really built in a super strong roster construction right now, and so Atlanta is in the process of moving Julio Jones. And there was that weird thing with Shannon Sharp this week where it was crazy news, but also like totally journalistically unethical. And, you know, Fox is in a bit of a pickle with the NFL because the Falcons are pissed over the diminishing trade value, although it appears that it hasn't diminished the trade value yet because the Falcons have an offer for a late first round pick, according to reports, which could be leaked by the Falcons fully acknowledged that it could be a, a report leaked by the Falcons, that they have a, a low level first round pick in the bank from some playoff team better be the D uh, better be the Baltimore Ravens. And they also reported that the Titans are a long shot, which I guess makes sense. Cause the Titans, although I like an all in move for the Titans, like, their window is very clearly closing. I have no idea what to make of the Titans next year because I I just can't figure out Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has always just been so difficult to figure out. And the fact that he went for 2000 yards last year and yet still the Titans should have only won 10 games and should have been the seven seed in the AFC playoffs is, is baffling to me. So I don't know where the Titans stand at this point, and maybe they want to keep those picks to try and make a quarterback upgrade. I don't know what the deal is with the Titans, but it's just a fascinating situation where AJ Brown is making TikToks to recruit Julio Jones. It's been really fascinating this whole week of everyone's bored. Everyone wants Julio Jones, and so everyone's kind of like going a little stir crazy because it's news at the very least, and so When Shannon Sharp releases that video and creates the content for everyone, all of a sudden he becomes the content which is beneficial for their show, but it also puts the Falcons in a binding position with the NFL where they are pissed that they did that to them. So that's the interesting situation going on in Atlanta, but I've talked about this before. And it's the dichotomy of the Lions, which is kind of interesting to put that out there like that, but it's kind of the opposite of what I think of the Lions right now. What is the plan for the Atlanta Falcons? What is your plan? Because drafting Kyle Pitts might just be a byproduct of, have you seen Kyle Pitts? That dude looks like he might be a guaranteed Hall of Famer and just get the talent in the door for the Falcons. Kyle Pitts was certainly the most talented prospect available. The Falcons went and made that move. They're going to keep Matt Ryan through the next two years of his contract. They actually restructured the contract to make it such that they had more money in free agent dollars so they could give to Mike Davis and Darquez Denard. But the Atlanta Falcons, maybe they're just in a rebuild phase. And and maybe the Julio Jones trade complements that rebuild, but Julio Jones doesn't possess a lot of value. The difference from what the Falcons have right now And what, for example, the Detroit Lions had when they started their offseason one of a three-year rebuild and look to have organizational competence. That's the thing I say the most about the Lions. It looks like from Brad Holmes and Man Campbell and the new owner, who is the daughter of the old owner, it looks like they've got some level of organizational competence in Detroit And they had more to work with because they had that super trade chip of Matthew Stafford. As great as Julio Jones is, not as valuable as Matthew Stafford. First of all, different positions. Second of all, they're about the same stages of their career. And both have battled injuries. But Julio Jones production has seen a little bit of a dip from 2019 and 2020 due to those injuries. And so... Julio Jones at 32 looks to be commanding a second round pick and probably a player because only eight teams right now can fit Julio Jones under their salary cap. But the Atlanta Falcons have to wait until June 1st for cap purposes, which is the whole thing that we were saying the whole time is like, yeah, we have to wait till June 1st, June 1st, June 1st. Julio has requested a trade months ago. That was one of the developments that came out after the Shannon Sharp video is that, hey, this has kind of been public knowledge for some months. The Falcons are like, look, we're going to abide. We're going to look to trade you. But we need to keep this on the down low to protect our trade value. And we can't trade you until June 1st for salary cap purposes. But we're going to do right by you. That's what it seems to be. And there's momentum moving towards it, even though we don't really know where those reports came from. There's momentum moving towards a trade. The Falcons are at least trying to generate some trade value here for Julio Jones. And everything is moving very slowly. And by NFL standards, especially in in the dead month of the NFL calendar, which is May and June, moving slowly is not exactly the best game plan in terms of people who crave content and the make me a bicycle clown type of crowd. Wow, that was a voice crack right there at the end there. But... For that idea, all you have from the Atlanta Falcons side is, hey, we're, we're going to do right by Julio, and we're, we're a little bit pissed that that trade rumor got out, which of course you would be pissed that that got out from Shannon Sharp. But at the same time, they're looking up and they're, they're kind of assessing the reality of this situation like, hey, we are in a rebuild. We've got a new GM, a new coach, a coach, by the way, who wants to run uh, one running back, two tight end, two receiver sets. And we talked about this a little bit with Blake Jude earlier on, like Calvin Ridley can be a legitimate wide receiver one. We've seen it at times. Like Calvin Ridley was an insane fantasy threat for those few games. Julio Jones was out. I want to say it was 2019, 2018 or 2019. Calvin Ridley was just ridiculous those few games Julio Jones missed. So we think we all think Calvin Ridley can be a legitimate wide receiver one, and then they plug in someone else, whether it's a, an MVS or a Russell gauge and you plug in someone else or find your second wide receiver through the draft, whatever it might end up being like the Falcons want to build a team out with two tight end sets and maybe, you know, put Kyle Pitts in the slot now and then if you want to run one tight end with Hayden Hurst, And then run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They want to build a system similar to what they did with Tennessee. At least that's what the indication is. Not the same system because they have Derrick Henry. Like the system wasn't working in Tennessee until Derrick Henry became the system. Derrick Henry got better and all of a sudden he could become the system. And Arthur Smith wants to build something of a prototype in Tennessee like what we've seen so far from what that he's said, like what we implement is different. Like Cliff Kingsbury said one thing and did something totally different. But for the Tennessee Titans, and now the Atlanta Falcons, they're two very different rosters. And what Arthur Smith has said is that it's a, a hybrid version of what the Titans want to do. We want to have the same zone running scheme that so many of the, the leagues use. And Arthur Smith grew up learning and grew up in these systems all over the place, whether it was behind LeFleur or coming in and taking over for Kevin O'Connell, who goes to the Rams. And then he becomes the offensive coordinator and ultimately becomes a head coach two years later. Or. With the Atlanta Falcons roster, where Mike Davis is your best running back, you can kind of adjust to what you're seeing a little bit, and so. Than what your roster is. So he wants to run a hybrid version of that where you have Kyle Pitts, which is a super weapon, unlike what the, the Titans have. As ridiculous as AJ Brown is, the rosters are a little different. And so this year is going to be an experimental year with what you have. Because also, the other part that's important is that Arthur Smith probably doesn't have the quarterback he wants to run the system with. And as great as Matt Ryan is, if they force Arthur Smith to keep Matt Ryan, this is going to be a failure for the Atlanta Falcons because you have to give the coach the leeway to pick the quarterback that he wants. If he picks Matt Ryan, then, you know, so be it. If that's what the game plan is, Arthur Smith might end up failing anyways. He might fail with a new quarterback. All of it, we don't really know, but if you force him to say Matt Ryan is your guy and he doesn't want Matt Ryan, then I think this is going to end up being a failure because he can't put himself in the best position to succeed because if he can't make the decision on that, it gives leeway for ownership or GM or whatever it is to change the mind after that. And to be fair, we talked about Arthur Blank before because Arthur Blank really fascinates me. His money is tied up from Home Depot. He sold his stake in Home Depot and bought the Atlanta Falcons close to 20 years ago. And what's fascinating about Arthur Blank is that he's like Jerry jones light. Not that in his politics, but in his outspokenness. The fact that if he could, Arthur Smith, if it weren't detrimental to the team, Arthur Smith would be happy to do post-game press conferences like Jerry Jones does. And Arthur Smith would be happy to be more outspoken. But Arthur Smith is the anti-Jerry Jones in the fact that he is very smart about it. I own the Atlanta Falcons, We are going to market our team to black customers. They're one of the few teams back in the early 2000s who said, we will market the team to black customers. We want black customers and white customers to be together at the Georgia Dome, which sounds very civil rights-y. And I think just the way I phrased it made it seem like he's more of a hero than not. But it is kind of an interesting dichotomy. And this led to Michael Vick, and then they drafted Matt Ryan as like the anti Michael Vick, but also he should have been the number one pick in the draft, but the Miami Dolphins took Jake Long instead. And so they kind of sort of lucked their way into Matt Ryan, who's been their quarterback for close to a half decade and we'll have or a decade and a half is what I meant to say. Decade and a half and we'll get a Hall of Fame case, but Matt Ryan's thirty six. And Matt Ryan showed signs of regression last year because he couldn't make a lot of those outside throws that he used to, which is a sign that quarterbacks arm getting a little shot. Tom Brady, same thing. Tom Brady can't make those outside throws at the same rate that he used to. That's where a lot of his pick sixes came into play in New England was because the body is telling him to do this and the muscle memory does this, but the arm can't get it there. It's how Matt Ryan ends up throwing two picks in the last three minutes of a game against the Chargers is because he just can't make the throws that he used to. And so Matt Ryan is aging. I think Matt Ryan's still kind of in that tier three quarterback range, but it's to a point where Jimmy Garoppolo was headed towards that tier three quarterback range, and the 49ers gave everything they had to try and make sure to get that quarterback position right. And not only combined with the fact that you're paying Matt Ryan $30 million a season for the next two years, like the Lions chose not to do with Matthew Stafford. We talked about this a year ago, I think yesterday, to be honest, was during the pandemic we did our Matthew Stafford will leave the Lions episode that I'm proud of because we nailed that last year would be Matthew Stafford's last year in Detroit. The Lions can get out from his contract, and they did, at just a $20 million dead cap hit, instead of paying him $30 million for 2021 and $34 million for 2022. So two years, $64 million. And the Falcons have something similar when it comes to Matt Ryan, although they chose to restructure Matt Ryan's contract and keep rolling with old Matty Ice. And this is the interesting part of the rebuilding phase for the Atlanta Falcons, is just where do you see yourself in three years when you want to compete? Because at that point, Matt Ryan will be out of a contract and to be honest they can move on from him this year at a 26 million dollar cap hit but it gets even worse for them down the road where their dead cap hit is 40 million next year and 15 million the year after which is more reasonable and they'll probably move on from him in two years but at that point he's 38 and you'll be in year three of the arthur smith experience and by year three you can usually see if something's going to work out so Maybe the Falcons get a quarterback as a, a rookie quarterback to, to counterbalance. I know that the Eagles did this strategy, and Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman were very outspoken about this. Like, yes, Carson is making thirty-two million dollars, but if Jalen Hurts is making eight hundred thousand, then all of a sudden the math changes on this, where we can have an expensive backup. Now they ended up moving on from Carson Wentz and just taking the picks instead of having him be a backup quarterback at $32 million a season. But the same strategy can apply to the Atlanta Falcons, who are at a similar stage of their franchise, which is they've just gone through off-season one of a three-year rebuild, and they got the most talented players, They're going to move Julio Jones, except the fact they're going to finish fourth and have the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL next year. Because if you thought their defense was bad last year, let me tell you, go look at the roster right now because it got even worse over the offseason. And so this is the difficult place that the Falcons find themselves in is the Julio Jones trade goes along with that move. And yes, they want to wait on the quarterback situation, but then you end up in a situation like the Raiders where they never figured out the quarterback situation as good as Derek Carr is Derek Carr make Derek Carr is as good as the team around him. And that's kind of what puts him in QB purgatory right now is that Derek Carr plays as good as the team around Derek Carr is when they had no talent. He played really poorly when he had 2016, the most talented version of the team. He was pretty good. That was as close to MVP season. and Now he's kind of, I think he finished 11th in QBR last year. The Raiders were kind of around that point. He elevated the team a little bit, but now you take away his offensive line and it's interesting because they never really, they wanted Justin Herbert, but Justin Herbert went back to college in 2019 of which we've done a podcast before. It's, it's deep in the archives. It's about two months ago, but check out our episode on what if Justin Herbert had not gone back to college in 2019 instead of going to the draft and being drafted fourth overall by the Raiders. Um, the Raiders never figured out the quarterback position, and I don't know what Atlanta's game plan is, but I did. we did go through their roster with Blake Jude, and to be honest, they might have another top pick in this year's draft in a weaker quarterback class, but we don't know which quarterbacks it's going to be, and maybe they don't solve the quarterback situation that way. Maybe Arthur Smith is just gearing up to get Ryan Tannehill. Who knows? But... The Atlanta Falcons and Julio situation just feels like now they've finally broken free of 7-9 and nine purgatory, which, to be fair, we talked last year at this time during the pandemic when we were going through a bunch of NFL teams. The Falcons' road back from 28-3 to three has been Dirk Cutter offenses, Steve Sarkeesian offenses, and the road back kind of took them to a place where they didn't have a defense because they were paying out so much to Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, about 50 million, 25% of their salary cap was to Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And so they couldn't build out a defense except through the draft. And they had a strong offensive line and they had some nice little pieces complementing, but they couldn't build out the rest of their roster. And so they had these teams every year for, for four seasons. I was making the joke. The Falcons are, They're going to throw 380 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. They're going to score 30 points. Their opponent's going to score 30 points. And once you get to that point where both teams score 30 points, you're going to win about half of your games. And lo and behold, for a three-year stretch post-Super Bowl 51, the Atlanta Falcons had a 24-24 and record, exactly 500 in those three games after the fact. You're going to win roughly 50% of your games when everyone scores 30 or more points. Once it gets to that point, anyone can win because the games are just so high scoring that the more you score, the more random the result becomes. And so the Atlanta Falcons finally broke free of that purgatory. It meant going down instead of like finding a generational talent and going up like the Baltimore Ravens did when they drafted Lamar Jackson or the Chiefs did when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. They ended up getting stuck in purgatory and then going immediately back up because they netted that generational talent. For the, rant, for the Falcons, it meant the thing that a lot of teams have to do, which is bottom out, take your medicine, rebuild, and have increased probabilities of getting better players. Because that's kind of what the top of the draft is. It's just an increased probability of getting those generational talents. You've got a better chance of finding them at the top of the draft than at the bottom of the draft. And most people look around, and the Falcons are a great example because Kyle Pitts kind of feels like a generational talent, doesn't he? They got him at the top of the draft, but they wouldn't have been able to get Kyle Pitts in past years. They would have been in the category where they're picking between A.J. Terrell and you know Damon Arnett or Jeff Gladney with the 16 pick in the draft. So Atlanta's bottoming out and the Julio Jones trade might reflect that idea. I mean, I I think Kyle Pitts is a fine pick, and if he's a great weapon, then he becomes your A.J. Green but they've got a long rebuild ahead of them and they have not proven organizational competence yet the lions feel like they have the falcons have not proven that they can that they have organizational competence yet at least from the new gm terry fontaine fontana something like that terry fontaine and arthur smith haven't quite shown organizational competence yet doesn't mean to say that they aren't going to get there the eagles haven't either in fact the eagles are kind of just stuck in purgatory as they go through off one of a rebuild because of that carson wentz contract that they've now moved off of and they they're gonna suck too next year and the lions at the very least look like they've got some sort of competence with the falcons let's wait and see let's wait and see what they do with julio jones Let's wait and see what they look like next season. We need a larger sample size than where we are right now to make a definitive evaluation on the Atlanta Falcons, but all of the different signs are there for what they want to do. Let's wait and see, and maybe next week we'll have a Julio Jones trade to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Take It Easy podcast episodes Monday through Friday come out as well as Wired Up on Sunday. Wired Up might come out a little earlier this week because we've got a really special episode that I'm teasing and I'm excited about. And uh, just make sure you follow because Wired Up is going to be really, really good. By the way, for if you're tuning in on Spotify, make sure follow, download, mark some episodes as played. They're all very important, and we love all of our Spotify people. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. We'll talk to you again for Wired Up episode 75, usually on Sundays, but might come out a little earlier on Saturday evening. Just be on the lookout for Wired Up And for all of the cool stuff we have here on Take It Easy. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy 11 basketball games. Enjoy a game seven in hockey. Enjoy yourself and be well. Take it easy.
1: You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms and I'm like, fuck you. I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough, I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer, but have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat gon' get swept, I wish Jimmy the best, tell him, fuck you, ooh, ooh, ooh. well, I'm sorry about 19 and 20, but that don't mean I can't get you there. Cause I'm 26 I got two MVPs The way I play the game ain't fair I pity the hee he, he, For not getting James Harden Should've traded Cala I got locked by Bam Autobuy I got some news for you Bryn Forbes hit six threes in game two You see I drive in the paint With my long ass arms I'm like, fuck you I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat going get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>